minds and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing unto you. Father, we pray that you would minister to each and every one of us, that Satan would not have his way, that we would not give ourselves willingly to the flesh or the world or to Satan, but in fact would be completely and utterly broken before you. Father, may you examine us. May the floodlight of your word examine us. And may you direct us to flee from sin and draw closer to yourself. Lord, as we heard your word, I pray, O oh God, that it would take deep root in our hearts. Lord, we, we thank you that there is a redeemer. We thank you that there is a redemption known only by Christ. And that we can experience that through him. And we ask, O oh Lord, that in Jesus' name you would touch every heart, every mind, that none would leave here the same. That we would be broken before you, seeking only your face. And that we would pursue you in holiness. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So glad you're here. Um, if you heard the scripture, you know that today is going to be... Last week was like 101, right? It was like Judgment 101. Okay, this is like doctoral level judgment series now, right? We just went from like, we just went from like elementary school to like doctoral level uh, judgment. Um, last week, if you remember, we talked about the, um, that we all make judgments. Number one, all of us make judgments. You make judgments, I make judgments. Most of our judgments are very silly. And they're, they're, they're not really um, that uh, meaningful or significant or anything like that. We all make judgments, right? You and I do. We, uh, if you, uh, you ladies uh, love to make judgments on other women's dressing, like the way they dress. Gosh, you think she should have worn that? Or, or, or you'll say, you know what I mean? You'll say something like, you know, you know God, I'm sure that would have looked nice on her. 20 years ago, you know, or something like that, right? We, we, we all, right? And, and guys, we can make judgments on cars and, and things like that. But whatever it is, we all make, and those are innocent enough. Like, nobody's like, nobody's going to die or live on those things. They're, they're, they're no big deal. But there are times when things happen where we see people going the wrong way, in the wrong direction, hurting themselves, and we say, you know what? We need to address that, Right? And so what we said last week was, and boy, you are not going to understand this week's message unless you get last week's message. News: We are now podcasting. We've joined the 20th century. And so we've worked all the way up to the 1990s, and um, we are now podcasting. And what that means for you is that you can listen to any one of our sermons now for free, on the internet. Just get your iTunes, just punch it up. and then do it. Now, the whole point of us doing that, by the way, is for you to send it to your friends, and hopefully, uh, you know, God will start working in their hearts, and I, I'm trusting that you'll do that, and, you know, you'll find out more about that later. But here's the deal. We said when it came to judging that there needs to be, first, we need to be able to look in the mirror. Second, we need to be able to ask God to help us with our sin. And thirdly, we need to be able to help the person with the sin in their lives. Now, we use this setup to sort of describe what was going on. Some of us 
are very good at judging. And, you know, we judge others and we, you know, um, you know, gosh, somebody comes and, and it's on. You know, the judgment is on, you know. And you even, uh, even uh, 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 in your house, right, you're 20 minutes late and there, there, there's like a music to your, um, uh, to your home, right? It's like, you know, they knock on the door and then a song comes on, you know. And it's, it's like uh, one of those songs that sound like, oh, it sounds like Here's the defendant. Husband just came in the door 20 minutes late. And so, and so well, that's your, your music, and we, we shared about that yesterday and how crazy it is to live in a home like that. Because if, you're, if you walk in with the stress and the tension of that kind of judgment, it's just fearful, isn't it? Right? Have you ever been like that, like with a boss or a brother or a sister, right? That, yeah, that's not fun, right? That's only cute in church. That's not fun at home. And then there's, a, <clears throat> there's another group of you who feel condemned, who feel judged. And we said last week that, and the Bible says, judge the way you want to be judged. And how do we say last week, when, we, when you judge me, I want you to consider everything. I want you to consider my past. I want you to consider what I'm going through. I want you to consider the stress that I'm under. I want you to consider the circumstances of my heart, the emotions that I'm experiencing. I want you to consider everything. And so that's the way we feel. But now last week we said this, that the person who judges over here, the first thing that they need to do, I can't do the whole sermon for last week, but they, you know, they, they walk around with a plank. Jesus says that you walk around with a plank in your eye, right? It's Hebrew humor. Right? He says, why do you who walk around with a plank in your eye judge the speck in your brother's eye? Right? And so it's a, it's a goof. It's Hebrew humor. It's like, you know, dude, like could you imagine somebody coming up to you and going, bro, look at that dust in your eye. It's embarrassing. Get a tissue. Like could you imagine that? It's just hysterical. It's, it's ridiculous. Right? But we do this all the time when we judge. So we said that the three ways to do it was to look in the mirror, and we explained what that meant, uh, to ask God to address our sin, we explained what that meant, and to confront the brother with sin. Now, that was 101. We are like in 601 in this week's sermon. And let me start. <clears throat> there was um, a, 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 <clears throat> a woman who was serving in a particular ministry in this church, She's not here today, and she's, she hasn't been for a while. And uh, this is a woman I love deeply, really deeply, invested my life into, really, really loved a lot. And she decided, you know, she loved Jesus. She wanted to serve Jesus. She wanted to be a missionary. Um, and she decided to start a relationship with a person who didn't know Jesus. And in fact, the person who hated Jesus. And so... Uh, she was on a particular team that demanded that she would be, you know, you got to be worshipful and obedient. And, and uh, she just said, no, I'm going to date who I want to date. I'm going to have sex with who I want to have sex with. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I want to do. I'm going to move in with who I want to move in with. I said, okay, no. You, you, you might, in the end, do that. But you can't do that on this team. And she goes, why can't I do it on the team? This was one of the toughest seasons of ministry for me. Because it was shocking to me how many people came up to me and said, aren't you judging her? 
Yes. Yes. Aren't you, aren't you being judgmental? Yes. I am. And the Bible demands that there is a point. And again, we're thinking about what we learned last week. Now some of you are squirming seats. Especially you new guys. This is the reason I didn't want to go to church. A bunch of judgmental people who just, you know what, they, this is why I don't like the kind of place you're supposed to be. And then there's that, that group of you. And then there's another group of you. And you're going, no, 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 the church is, you know, God love. And the nightmare of your theology is that you've made a God out of love. The love of your definition. And so the God that you worship is not really existent. He's just this thing. Some of you are very uncomfortable. And that's okay. It's, 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 and some of you just want to get out. This is like not okay. This is crazy. I feel you. If you think it's uncomfortable listening to this, you should, you should try to have to speak this stuff. This is not comfortable. Here's the deal. God wants to speak to every one of us. He wants to teach us. And there's a difference. Now watch this. Some of you have just shut me off with the last illustration. You said, that's it. I'm not listening to any more. Let's see. What do I have to wear for tomorrow? What do I have to do? You know, what are the the responsibilities at work? But I want you to listen up. Don't check out. Because I think that you're going to understand this a little bit more as I unpack this. But you're going to have to give me a full hearing. Now, I know for some of you, I didn't earn that because we don't know each other and stuff. I'll just ask for for your grace and ask for mercy and ask that you would give me the gift of your attention next few minutes so that we might be able to discuss okay now isn't that judgmental it is wait up Edwin I've seen you hang out with people and invite people to church who are adults homosexual thieves murderers literal murderers so how could you judge her? But and then I see you hang out with these people. Well, there's a difference. There's a difference. God's word says that if we agree to a standard, let's say, for instance, you and I come into a covenant. We can call it, let's say, a, let's say a strong covenant like marriage, right? And let's say that covenant in marriage, we agree, I will not see any other women and you will not see any other men. Is that fair? Like, we agree on that, right? Like, I agree that I'm not going to see any other women, and you agree you're not going to see any other men. We signed on the dotted line. We came before God and said, this is what we'll do. And then, the week after that, after, you know, we come back from our honeymoon, you know, I notice a number um, you know, I'm, I'm doing the laundry, and I notice a number. I'm checking, you know, you know how you, when you do laundry, you check the pockets to make sure there's no lipstick or anything like that, right? And so, you know, I'm checking pockets. I notice there's a number there. I go, hey, Susie so-and-so, you know, or actually, if I'm asking the question, who's John so-and-so? And you go, oh, it's a guy who asked me out on a date. Oh. Why would you take his number? Oh, because I'm considering it, and I was thinking about calling him back and seeing maybe we can get together. <laughs> okay, maybe I missed something. Perhaps there's a piece of information that I'm not getting. 
Didn't last week we stand before a congregation of people, swear to a holy God that we would love each other, forsaking all others? Well, yeah, yeah, of course we did. Well, what are you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get a date with another guy. Okay, okay, you, you see the disconnect here. None of us have any problem seeing that at that point, if the person is unrepentant, and says, no, I'm going to continue to date more guys. I'm going to continue to sleep with other guys. Don't expect me home on Friday. And, yeah, I'm going to collect more numbers. Now, if that happens within the covenant of marriage, unrepentant, in other words, the person has no desire to change. Anybody agree that I should be, no, no, no. You know, I think God gives me an okay on this one. I can, I can, I can separate myself. And some of you have even gone through this. And you know the pain about this, right? Now, Take that same illustration, take that same illustration with a person that I met just yesterday. And I'm thinking about dating, right? And, you know, I, a, a number falls out of their pocket. Who's that? Oh, it's a guy that I met yesterday. I was considering going on a date with him. Oh, all right. Huh? You want to still have coffee? Let's talk, you know, let's... Well, there's not a committed relationship. There's no commitment to one another. There's no... Right? There's a difference, between the one who's married, because you have a standard that you both swore to agree to. There's a standard that you both agree to uphold. And when you break that standard, you break the relationship. So, God's word, God says, hold up, hold up. If you're, and I'm getting ahead of myself, I'm going to actually start reading this because we're, we're getting into, all right, now listen, please, I can see some of you have that blank stare that looks like you're, you know, thinking of whether you should have fajitas or steaks for, uh, all right, so just please, just give me a, a hearing. I'm telling you, this is good stuff, and this is how we, but I don't want you to come up to any conclusions because if you come up to a conclusion too soon, you're going to miss out on what God has to teach us here because it looks a lot like love. It looks a lot like love. And so I want you to listen up. Are, are you with me? <laughs> oh, come on, give me a little more. Are you with me? Yeah, all right, praise God. Let's, let's read. Let's read. Verse 5. Uh, a chapter, uh, rather, chapter 5, verse 1. It is actually reported that there is a sexual immorality among you, and one of a kind that does not occur even among pagans. A man has his father's wife. Okay, first of all, who's writing this letter? Paul. Look up at me. Who's writing this letter? Paul. He's an apostle. Paul's planting churches all over the place. Now he's not at this place anymore. And what he's doing is he's discipling them through letters, through messages. And so Paul says, Paul says, he goes, he's writing and he's saying, I heard something crazy. There's a guy in your church. Now understand, the church that they have is nothing like the church they have today. Okay, there's maybe a dozen people, max two dozen people in, the ch in this particular church. There are house churches. And we're going to, by the way, we're going to experience a lot more of house churches. It's going to be so exciting. You're going to be able, we're going to put people in small groups in your homes. So that, you know, the people will be around one another. You'll be able to care for one another, celebrate each other, and be celebrated. That's coming real soon. Put that on the back of your mind. It's going to be so cool because when you cry, there's going to be somebody who will be able to catch your tears. And when you're hurting, it's going to be all that the church should be. 
so that you're not just like waiting from Sunday to Sunday to be fed, but you're actually around a community of people who love you. And that when you go to the hospital, there's a group of people who visit you. And that when you go on dark times, there's a group of people who help you into the light. It's just wonderful. So we're going to be going into this house church type of deal. And obviously we're going to still have Sundays like this, you know, so we're going to have big meetings like this, but we'll also have that. I want you to keep that in mind. Well, he's writing to this house church, and there's about a dozen, maybe two dozen people. And there's this guy, there's this guy who's sleeping with his father's wife. Now, automatically, that's pretty gross. Would you agree? I mean, do we have to discuss that a little bit? Like, do we have to, like, kind of exchange it? You know, is there anyone here who just says, you know, no, you know, you know, be, you know, be whatever you like. You know, you do your thing. I do my thing. Like, anybody here, we just all kind of raise our hand and just go, okay, nah, that's gross. That's gross. You know, I've seen my mom come out of the shower. That's gross. I don't want to think about those things, right? That's kind of nasty, right? Don't, all right, we all agree with that, okay? Now, we don't know, we don't know the details. We don't know the details. And what I mean by that is that we don't know if it's his stepmom, still gross. We don't know if his father, if it's real mom, very gross. Um, we don't know if his father's alive, very, very gross. We don't know if his father's dead, still just as gross. I mean, you know, how do you introduce this person at parties, right? Here's my mom, I mean my girl. <laughs> no, um, just gross. And Paul says, this person is in the church. This is not a visitor. This is not a person who's just kind of testing the Christian tires. This is not a person who's just investigating. Listen, there are some of you right now who are investigating Christianity and you're deep in sin. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. This, this message isn't for you. But there are some of you who are in Christ Jesus, who are deep in sin, refuse to turn from it. You should shudder. You should repent and be broken before the Lord. Well, the ex example that Paul is giving, this guy is in deep sin. He agreed to the covenant. He agreed to the standard. We are in Christ. We are going to live holy. We are going to live differently than other people. And then he does this thing. And Paul says that, man, even people who don't know Jesus like this. That's right. Because it's, it's good. You should read your Bible. See, you, didn't, you thought your soap operas were sketchy. This is wild, man. You should read your Bible. Okay. Um, verse 2. And you are proud? Look up at me. What happened was, is not only did they not judge the sin, not only did they not address the sin, you know what they did? They celebrated it. They were like, oh, man, that's cool. You know what this is like? When I was a kid, there was a couple of people, and, and I, I thought this was crazy when I was a kid. I think it's really crazy now. You, there's a kid, right, who's struggling with alcohol, right? And, um, you know, he's struggling with alcohol, and he's drinking on occasion, right? And then the mom says this. I know what I'll do. I'll buy him alcohol so that he can drink it in the house. Anybody know the, the, the logic behind that? So that he doesn't go out. So that when he gets drunk, he can do it in front of me. Has, has anybody here ever heard of that? Right? I experienced this as a kid. Most of the drugging that I did in, uh, was in people's houses. People who had allowed me. I'm 12 years old. Let me tell you something. You know what 
happens if, if, if you're struggling with, like, you know, struggling? You know what happens if you, um, don't, then they don't. <laughs> like, if you don't provide the alcohol for it. Here's a clue for good parenting. Do not provide alcohol for your underage children. This is a good, like, you didn't have that going to church, you wouldn't receive anything good, like, you know, that you could receive. That's a great, that's a great piece of information. Well, those parents who do that are insane. They're celebrating that their kid is in alcohol or drinking or drugging. They're celebrating that. And Paul said that the people of the, you're proud of this. You're celebrating it. You're allowing it. You're, you're letting it go ahead. And God, God help you. You're proud of this? Verse, uh, continue on with verse 2. Shouldn't you rather have been filled with grief? Look up at me. Look up at me. Shouldn't you rather have been filled with grief? This is the most important phrase of this section. In some translations, in some of your translations, it says, shouldn't you rather have mourned? In others, it says, shouldn't you rather have been brokenhearted? And this is where this becomes a reality. Listen to me. When people sin, when people sin, it should break our hearts. That as the church is Christ, if I sin, you should be broken by that. If you sin, I should be broken by that. It should cause tears to fall down my face. It should cause an uneasiness in my belly. I remember when I confronted this girl years ago, I, had, I went up to her and I said, you mustn't do this evil thing. She and she was like, "No, I'm gonna." Do. I said, "She." And I remember, I remember exactly what she said. I said, "She said, you're right, Pastor Edwin. You're right." And then I asked her, "Whenever anybody tells me I'm right, I always ask them this question. I go, so, what you gonna do then? If I'm right, like you know, have you ever done this? Where you go, you know, man, smoking's real bad for you. It give you cancer. Blah, blah, blah. You know, you kind of go into that like you love your friend, and they walk up a flight of stairs and have a heart attack, and you get concerned, right? So you go, you know, maybe you should stop smoking eight packs a day. You know, maybe you, you know, maybe you could save up and actually pay your rent if you actually, because it's expensive now. Gosh, it's like buying crack to buy a pack of cigarettes. It's expensive, and so. You know, so you're worried about their finances, and you're worried about their health, and you're worried about all this stuff, and you just say, you know, you should probably stop smoking cigarettes. It's bad for you. And all this. You right. You right. So what you gonna do? Buy another pack of cigarettes? Keep going? And so I said that to her, and it was a dark, dark moment when she said, when she was silent, and I said, keep going? That's just a silence. And that's exactly what she's doing. It's a nightmare. Shouldn't you rather have been brokenhearted before? Listen, do you remember what we said? That if before you judge someone else, you've got to be brokenhearted by it. Before you help somebody else with their sin, like the, and, and you know you're sitting in this chair and you're going, but they're heading for hell. They're gonna they're gonna catch a, a, an addiction. They're going to ruin their lives. They're gonna get 
pregnant by the time they're 17. If they don't, if they don't address this thing, and we go, we are, and Jesus says, yes, I agree with you. Yeah, but God, should, shouldn't I address them in their sin? Yes. Well, what should I do? Look in the mirror. I don't, I don't understand. Don't you want to address their sin? Of course I want to address their sin. Don't you think that what they're doing is awful? Of course I think it's awful. I think it's more awful than you think it's awful. Then what do you want me to do? Look in the mirror. Address your own sin. Because unless you're broken hearted, unless you're broken hearted, the person who you're trying to help will never be able to see past the plank in your eye. Unless you're broken hearted, they'll never be able to see past your sin, Dad. Shouldn't you rather have been filled with grief? God's word says that when we're in a congregation where people love Jesus, you should be broken hearted. Let me tell you what sin is. Sin is seeing one of your friends driving straight into a brick wall and going, it's all right, it's okay. I wish somebody would love someone enough to, to, to confront them. That someone would love someone enough to judge them and say, I'm broken. I've done this too. You know what? I've been a hypocrite for a long time. I've been listening to gossip and it's wrong. It's evil. And God, deal with me. And by the way, maybe God should deal with us. Maybe God should deal with you. I just, I don't understand. Have you ever seen what happens to young people once they hook up and live together and then break apart? Have you ever seen their relationship? I get a front row seat to that. Have you ever seen their relationships after? Some of you live this. Some of you can't even enjoy relationships today because of your disobedience to God yesteryear. Like the relationships that you draw, like you know, you go, you get a, you get a boyfriend, and you're accusatory, and you're judge, and you're, and you're jealous, and you're all this other stuff. Well, that didn't happen by accident. That happened because you had exposed yourself to sin, and now you're so wounded that when a healthy guy comes, I've heard people say this: I don't get with healthy people. I, unless they're sick, I can't enjoy the relationship. I think to myself, that's such, you didn't, you weren't born with that. And if only maybe, maybe, maybe not, but maybe if you had a person to say, you're going in the wrong direction. You shouldn't be sleeping around. Don't move in with that person. That girl is no good. You're sinning against yourself and against God. Maybe. Don't be unequally yoked. Don't think, oh, well, he'll just love Jesus in a couple of years. Don't do that. Don't be... Just, and I wish, 
I wish we would love people enough. But you know what we do? The problem that we have with God's word is not in the beauty of God's word and not in the difficulty of the God's word. Is that we're more culturally saturated. We believe more in the culture. We, there's, it's an actual virtue today to allow people to destroy themselves. That's a virtue. And we, say, we have even phrases for it in our society. We say things like, who am I to judge? And then the people who are being judged can say, you know, only God can judge me. And at that point, we just go, are you mad? God has told us as Christians, from one Christian to another. Again, if you're not a Christian, man, you are getting into the deep waters of Christianity. We need, if you're not a Christian, you haven't bowed your knee to Jesus, then you keep coming. You keep learning about Jesus. You keep finding about, out about but listen, if you love me and you see me in a diner, nine o'clock at night with another woman, would you love me enough to tell me it's not right? Would you love me enough to confront me? Go, hey, Edwin, that don't look like this. I've done this. I've done this. I've gone to, um, I've gone to, um, what are they called? Um, uh, conventions. And I see a dude who I love making a huge mistake. I can't even go to conventions. They're like, it's like crazy. I can't even, conventions, are, all right, so I can't talk about that. We'll talk about that some other time. But it's crazy. And so I see a dude making the mistake of his life. You know what I'll do? As he's dancing with, you know, that, that thing, or she's dancing with that thing, I'll go up to him. No kidding. I'll go up to him. And I'll go, hey, let's call him Harry. Hey, Harry, how you doing? And she's right there. So, how's Beth? No kidding, man. It's been like two years since you guys were married, right? Wow, man, how are things going? Oh, man, I'm glad to hear that. Boy, you know, I know that she would want to hear from you now. Boy, it's busy around here. Oh, I'm sorry, who are you? Oh, hello, Susan, how are you? So, tell me about the kids. Yeah? No kidding. Man, Tommy's growing up so fast. I hope you love me enough to do something like that. I hope you do. And God's word says, listen, let's, let, let's do this. And I love this because Ray gave me this. He said, I don't walk anyone to the gallows anymore. Isn't that a good statement? I don't walk. He goes, I've stopped walking people to the gallows. Gallows are the, um, are the uh, things that uh, they used in Western days about 100 years ago to, for capital punishment. You get hung on gallows, you know, right? So you go to the gallows and then there's a noose that comes around and then, the, you know, the, the, the floor comes out from under you and they hang you, right? That's, that's called the gallows. He says, I don't walk people to the gallows anymore. In other words, I love people enough to judge them. But I thought you said last week you're not supposed to be judgmental. <clears throat> right. But now you're telling us to judge. Right. Follow me. Follow along with me. You see how easy and complex this is? <laughs> it's something. Let's go to verse, uh, verse 3. Even though I... Oh, no. Let's finish verse 2. And have put out of your fellowship the man... Who did this? That's a strong word. Put him out, Paul says. Now, 
Are we talking about the person? This is not what we're talking about. Let me tell you a couple of things that we're not talking about. We're not talking about the guy who has a one-night stand, comes back, tears in his eyes. Now, was it evil? Was it sinful? Absolutely. You know what? It's terrible. It's awful. This is disgusting and terrible. He broke himself. He broke his wife. He broke this woman that he was with. I mean, nobody leaves those kinds of situations the same. It, it is a broken and terrible situation. That's not the guy we're talking about. We're also not talking about the girl who's struggling with her speeding. You know, oh, we're going to put you out of the church if you keep on speeding. <laughs> right? We're also not talking about the person who's struggling. Like, you know, man, you know, they stay clean for two weeks and then they relapse. And then they stay clean for three months and then they relapse. And then they stay clean for one month and then they relapse. We're not talking about these people. Here's who we're talking about. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. I'm going to sin whichever way I want to sin. And I'm going to do I'm going to bring them to church. My wife is over there. And I'm bringing my girlfriend over here because I'm not with my wife anymore. I mean, as, as, as Christians, should we, is that okay? Like, should we just go, no, just don't look. Should we allow her to, imagine, imagine being at an AA meeting and somebody coming in with a brown bag, sitting down, and like, you know, they're reading the preamble and stuff like that, and they go, crack open a beer. What would that be like? What do you think the people in that meeting should do? Should remove that person. Why? Because we got to, listen to me, we've got to love this group of people who want to pursue health and wholeness more than we love this rebel who wants to produce destruction and death. And Paul is saying, listen, this ain't one-on-one, baby. And you got to do this with a broken heart. But if you call yourself a Christian, and you're going to live in this way. And you refuse to repent. Paul says. We're not talking about the person who's struggling with forgiveness. You know, who's just like, man, I know it's a sin not to forgive, but gee, it's just so painful. We're not talking about the person who's struggling with sexual immorality. Who's just going, man, I just, you know, I, 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 I went on the internet and I just blew it, man. Help me, man. And then we put some blocks up and then, you know, and then they go somewhere else. And, you know, we're not talking about that person. The person who's repentant, who wants help. This is the person who's high-handedly, recklessly, calls himself a Christian, says, yes, I believe in Jesus. And then at the same moment, spits in Jesus' face. We just go, no, we can't do that. It's, you know what I've discovered? Have you ever, anybody ever heard? I've heard, I've discovered that negative people ruin positive people before positive people make a dent in negative people. Now, if you've ever been to a 12-step program, they tell you to stay away from people, places, and things. Because they understand the principle of 1 Corinthians 5. Now, 12 steps didn't invent this. The Bible invented this. That's why we love the Bible. But now... We go to the Bible and stay away from people, places, and things. Why? Why? Why would you ever? Because they will get you high. Somebody finish that sentence. They will get you high every time. You know that intuitively. See, already you believe 1 Corinthians 5. But when it's said as honestly as God is saying it right now in his word, we recoil and we go, some of us don't want to hear this because of the sin that we find ourselves in. Be broken over your sin. This is how grievous sin is. Sin is no joke. Sin is terrible. Sin is not something to wink at. 
Sin is terrible. And it causes destruction and disruption and terror. Let's keep on reading. Verse 4. Verse 3. Even though I am not physically present, I am with you in spirit. Now look up at me. I just want to just, this is a caveat. Have anybody ever told you like, yeah, I can't go to your anniversary, but I'll be there in spirit? Or I can't go to your party, but I'll be there in spirit? Or I can't go to your church, but I'll be there in spirit? Okay, that's nothing. (laughs) I just want you to know, it means nothing. When Paul says, um, I'm there in spirit, what he means is you already know what I believe. In other words, I'm in agreement with this. It doesn't mean, like, I'll be there in spirit. Uh, It looks a lot like you not being there. (laughs) Uh, Sorry, okay, my bad. Let's keep it moving. Um, Verse 4. Uh, let's keep on going with uh, I, I am uh, verse three. Even though I am not physically present, I am with you in spirit, and I have. And there's the text that shares with us what Paul really means. I and I have already passed a judgment on the one who did this. Whoa, 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 Paul, Paul, Paul! Didn't you go to the judgmental series? Don't you know you're not supposed to be judgmental? course we're supposed to look in the mirror. Of course we're supposed to ask God to examine our sin. But do you remember the third part of last week? Then we're supposed to help our brother with the speck in his eye. We're supposed to help him with the sin in his life. Address it. And here it says some serious stuff. Verse 4. When you are assembled in the name of our Lord Jesus, and I am with you in spirit, you already know what I know, or you already know what I believe in this, and the power of our Lord Jesus is present. Somebody read these next uh, six words with me. Okay? One, two, three. Hand this man over to Satan. Whoa! Okay. Let's just stop right here. Does anybody have like a really good joke that they could share right now? Because this is really serious. Hand this man over to Satan. What are you saying, Paul? Listen, this is serious stuff. This guy is acting out in sin. He's not repentant. This girl is telling her, 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 her parents, she's saying, you know what? I'm going to do what I want to do. This sexually promiscuous person is saying, you know what? I'll be with whoever I want to be. Hey, I got to experience, you experience this stuff, I'll experience this stuff. Listen, hand this man over to Satan. What do you do with that? Right? Listen. Listen to the next sentence, though. Hand this man over to Satan. So that, everyone say so that. Whenever you see so that in the Bible, many times when so that comes up, it comes from this Greek word, henna. Henna means purpose. The reason for. The, 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 the reason that we do. Henna for the purpose of, for the reason, this is the reason why we do this. So that, listen, so that the sinful nature may be destroyed and his spirit saved on the day of the Lord. 
you see why? Do you see what Paul is saying? Paul is saying, listen, we hand this person over to Satan because we're, listen, the last thing we want to do is come and say, ay, mendito, you know, the last thing we want to do is the person who's go, ay, mendito, it's going to be okay. It's not that bad. No, don't think like that about yourself. No, no. The last thing we want to do is comfort someone who's deep in their sin. Sometimes I, sometimes I think that we do this too much. Comfort people in deep in their sin. I think that we do it too much. I think that sometimes we just need to let people feel their pain. Like, oh, yeah, that's what that feels like. Like, I, I would hate, I would hate for someone to try to take away my pain. God is trying to, why would I want to, when you take away someone's pain, you know what you do to them? If you take away someone's pain after they've sinned, it's like leaving them back a grade. Because they got to do the lesson over again before they can experience the truth. Because we took away their sin. Or we took away the penalty for their sin. We do this all the time. All the time. You know, a person has a habit of mismanaging their funds. And we go, oh, mendito, here's more money. A person has a, a habit of, you know, being mean-spirited to their wife. And being brutal and evil to their wife. And we go, oh, mendito, don't worry, sleep on my house. Sleep in my house. You know, oh, she kicked you out again? Sleep in my house. No, you need to sleep out on the street. You need to experience that. <laughs> and this is the reason I don't go to church. I understand. Um, so we don't need to go, oh, mendito, We don't need to be that. We don't need to be that kind of church. That's not us. Watch this. So that their body is ravaged, they can then come to the Lord in repentance. I remember... Um, Anybody here know who Billy Graham is? Not the wrestler. Um, the evangelist, right? Okay. Billy Graham, the wrestler, right? Okay. Billy Graham um, started to, I, I love it. He had an autobiography. It's like the size of the telephone book. Like, you know, it took me, and I'm a reader. It took me like four months to read this thing. It's bigger than the Bible. It's like over a thousand pages. No kidding. And, uh, but it's a, an incredible biography, autobiography about his life. And in the first hundred pages, I love, my favorite part of Billy Graham's story is his first hundred pages. Because in the first hundred pages, he's such a knucklehead. And he's just, you know, you see him growing up, I go, ooh, there's still hope for me. And so what happened is, Billy Graham picked up cigarettes when he was a, a, a youth. And his father found out. Now, his father wasn't a city guy. There was farm people, right? So his father went to the store, and you know what he did? Bought him a pack of cigarettes. You know what he did? Gave him, he said, smoke. He had to, by the time he got to like the eighth or ninth cigarette, throwing up and puking and, and just uh, terrible, right? They have any, uh, who here believes that ever had a cigarette after that ever again? Not once. I used to do this thing with my kids. If they were going to touch something hot, like a stove, or they were going to touch a plug, my wife would go like this. She would be like this. No, 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 oh, God! And she would try to grab them. And you know what those stupid little kids would do? And you got stupid little kids, too. They're all little stupid little demons, right? The only people who don't find that funny are the ones who don't have kids, right? They're all little demons, right? Everyone. No, I'm kidding. I love my kids. 
<laughs> sometimes. But all right. So my wife would go crazy. Ah, don't do it. Don't, don't do it. <laughs> you know what those kids would do? They would wait for her to go. They would wait for her to leave. And then when they, and this is some of your stories, right? You would wait for them to leave, and then, you know, they're keeping me from something good. Where's that socket? You know what I would do? Go ahead. Bye, yeah. All right, get another fuse, honey. That would hurt, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. You ain't going to do that again, are you? No, no. If you understand, you understand the principle that Paul is saying. Deliver them over to Satan. Let sin have, all right, you want to, you think it's so much better to be in the world of sin? Okay, don't come here. Smoke your pack of cigarettes. Touch your furnace. Experience, touch, go ahead, touch the, the, the electric outlet. And when you're, when, let me, when, You've hit a brick wall, and you're done? Oh, how quickly. Listen, this is some of your story. Some of you, the reason you stood out using for so long, I'm going to help you explain a large part of your life, was because there was someone who refused to love you, like the Bible is saying. They're the ones, you went out for a two-week run, and you stole everything in the house, and they're the ones who said, usually it's mom, and they just enabled you. You know, and then gave you money. And then one day they got a clue. Man, I've been doing this for 18 years and they're not getting any better. They're getting worse. And one day they get a clue and they go, nope, not going to do it. You can't stay here anymore. And you actually, for the first time in your life, had to experience the consequences of your sin. And automatically, all of a sudden, you were willing all of a sudden, you wanted to change. Well, what was it? You experienced it. You were delivered over to Satan. And you experienced the pain. And you ran Jesus. Paul is saying, hand them over to Satan. Why? So that, so that they might come to the Lord, their soul can be saved. So that they can, I don't know about you, but when I see my friends hurting, I want them to hurt as intensely and as briefly as possible. I want them to hurt as intense. When, when you send me prayer requests for people to stop using, you know what the first thing I pray for? Oh, God, bend their knees or break their legs. Bring them low. Let everything fall out for under. Let them hit a brick wall. Let it be more painful than they ever thought it imagined. It's the most loving prayer I've ever prayed. Because I know that if you experience that for two months, maybe we can avoid the 20 years of nightmare that Satan wants for you. And you know that churches do the 20-year model all the time? They go, oh, you're cheating on your wife? Oh, come, Mendito, come here. She just wasn't as loving to you. Oh, oh, you're, you're smoking crack? And you're, you're, you're proclaiming the name of Jesus and you're smoking crack and you refuse to change? Oh, Mendito, let me, here's $5. Paul is agreeing with you. The Bible is agreeing with you. That's nuts. That's not love. That's codependency. That's not love. That's enabling. That's not love. Helping them to help. We don't want to do that.
verse 6. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough? Now look up here. It says, don't you understand that a little yeast, whenever you see yeast in the New Testament, this is the New Testament, not the Old Testament. Whenever you see yeast in the New Testament, it almost always is an uh, image for sin. It almost always isn't like, you know, when you see yeast, just understand that. It, and Paul is saying, don't you know that, have you ever heard that a good apple, you know, <clears throat> it only takes one good apple to make spoiled, spoiled apples good? You never heard that. You know why you never heard that? Because you've heard it only takes one bad apple to spoil the bunch. Isn't that true? And it only takes, I, in, the person, in the woman's life that I'm talking about, there was at least two of her friends that came to this church, one who was younger than her and one who was older than her. And they both are, and they, all three of them are living in sin because they followed her example. Imagine if I would have given her a bigger audience. Imagine what that would have looked like. Could you imagine me smoking crack and then coming up here and saying, now everybody turn to, how insane would that be? Me having a couple of beers, kicking a couple of beers back and going, now everybody go to First Corinthians. How insane is that? How many people am I leading to destruction? It's insane. It's insane. But people do this all the time. Verse 6. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough? Verse 7. Get rid of the old yeast that you may be a new batch without yeast. Get rid of the old sin so that you may be a new congregation without sin. Without, uh, without yeast, as you really are. In other words, Paul is saying, listen guys, God has already declared, if you're in Christ, God has already declared you holy. Just live out what you are. It's just, it's, it's, it's like a person. Let's say, for instance, I weighed 100 uh, pounds more than I do now, right? And I had to get pants like size 40-something or 50-something, right? And I'm like 100 pounds heavier than I was, right? And then I lost like a ton of weight, right? And then I lost like 100 pounds, right? It would be silly for me to continue to go to big and tall and buy size 40-something. agree that that would be silly? Because it wouldn't fit anymore. It's not who I am anymore. I used to be heavy. I used to be but I'm not anymore. I lost all this weight, and now, so I should, you know, I should buy uh, 34s, used to be 32s, you know, that kind of thing, right? Paul is saying, you're, if you've surrendered your life to Christ, you're new. Good news! You're holy! You are justified! You have been forgiven! All that guilt, you know how, like, you have that guilt in your life? that you swear you could never be forgiven for, when you surrender to Christ, Christ even forgives that grimy stuff. And you go, no, it's not possible. I'm telling you it's possible. And he forgives that. And he says, so stop acting old. You're not, you don't have the 100 pounds anymore. You lost the weight. You're not the sinner anymore. You're holy now. God has called you righteous. Live like that. Live like that. Just as you are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has, not, has been sacrificed. You know why we don't have to live the way we used to live? Because Jesus, listen to me. Here's the beauty, and we're going to get to this by the fourth. Listen to me. The reason that 
we don't have to feel judged in our life, and this is like the fourth week I'm letting you in on what happened two weeks from now. The reason that we don't have to feel judged, listen to me, is because Christ was judged for us. Isn't that good? The reason that we don't have to walk around with guilt, because Jesus took your guilt on himself on the cross. Isn't that good news? Like, isn't that wonderful? That you don't have to work around with your shame and your guilt. And don't you have a ton of it? That thing that you did that night? That, that, that compromise that you made? That, you know, the thing that makes you weep when you think about it? The thing that you try not to think about it, because when you do, it makes you feel bad. Christ says, I'll pay for your sin. I'll pay for it. And Christ already did. So we don't have to walk around in shame and in guilt and worried about judgment. And so since he says, you don't have to worry, then don't walk like that. Don't live like that. Don't be like that. Don't, don't live in sin. Don't walk in sinfulness. Don't li- you don't have to live like that. Jesus has paid. Hallelujah. Jesus has paid for your sin. And, uh, get rid, verse 7, get rid of old that you may be a new batch without yeast really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival. The old, let, us not, uh, let us keep the festival not with the old yeast, the yeast of malice and wickedness, bread without yeast, the bread of sincerity and in truth. In other words, let's not be like the culture. Let's not be like everybody else. Let's not live in sin. Let's live in holiness. Verse 9, I have written you in my letter not to associate with the sexually immoral. Now, look up at me. Paul wrote more than two letters to the Corinthian people. This was an ongoing discipleship. We only have two of them. We know that he wrote more than two letters because of this sentence. Well, more than this, but just this is a clue. He talks about a letter that he wrote previously that we don't have. And so Paul wrote more letters, but the only ones that God wanted in the Bible were these two, uh, First and Second Corinthians, right? And he said this, because they were misunderstanding. See, here's what the church was doing. The church was judging people outside. Look at those, look at those people with that lifestyle. Look at those people who are doing that thing. Look at that, look at that person, look at that. And the church was judging people on the outside. And Paul says, of course you don't do that. You don't have the same standard supposed to judge the people inside. We agree on a standard. We agree to live in holiness. You don't judge the people outside. They don't know Jesus. How could you judge them? That's why you can come alongside of them and say, come to church. Come to Jesus. Surrender your life to Jesus. Repent of your sin. We can do that with people who don't know Jesus. We can invite them in because they don't know Jesus. If you... If you don't know Jesus, why would I expect you to act like a person who knows Jesus? Isn't that silly? Paul says this in verse 9. I have written you in my letter not to associate with the sexually immoral people. Verse 10. Look, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy and the swindlers or the idolaters. In that case, and then Paul says a joke because he knows that it's intense times. You're not going to laugh, but it's funny in Hebrew. Um, 
in that case, you would have to leave this world. All right, you don't get it, right? But it says, in other words, if you were gonna, if you were gonna have to separate yourself from everybody who sinned, you'd have to leave the planet, because everybody's in sin. This is not for those who we don't judge. This is for those you, you're, you remember you, you love Jesus, you surrendered your life to Jesus. Paul is saying, this now. Watch the next verse, uh, verse eleven. But now I am writing you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler. With such a man, do not even eat. Don't even associate with that person. In other words, don't comfort that person. Don't be around. Don't go amendito to that person. Don't say, you know, listen. In our small groups, if there's a, if in our small group, my small group is the married group, and there's a person, and they come in, right, and there's, there's this couple, and the woman just is intent on cheating on her husband. Just intent on cheating on her husband. That group has to love that woman enough to say, you can't come here. You can't. We can't sanction that. We can't bandage up your wounds when you refuse to agree that there are any wounds to bandage up. We can't enable you this way. And we don't do it with a habit. Like, let me tell you something. If you're here and you're going, yeah, I've been meaning because I want to confront that person and there's a... You've missed the point. You've missed the point. You have no idea what we're talking about. Like, let me just say this because I just got this thought. You wives are right now. You see? You see? I got the verse. Get, get out of the house! Uh, we're not doing that. We're not, we're not doing that, okay? Can we not do that? And some of you husbands are saying, you see, I got the verse here, that's it. Pastor told me, said, that, that's not what we're saying. We're talking about church. <laughs> if they're in your house, come in for counseling. Counseling's on Mondays now, so make your appointments. They're all free now, so you could, um, in other words, they're freed up. We changed them from Thursdays to Mondays, so make your appointments for Mondays. But uh, you understand what we're saying here? Uh, this is such a scary sermon to preach because, you, let me tell you why, honestly. Because there's so much sin in our hearts. And we always want to bend God's word to mean what we want to say. This is a complex verse. And you've got to be willing to, listen, not to obey your society or the way you were raised or your culture. You've got to be willing to obey Jesus. So, um, verse 11. But now I am writing you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater, slander, a drunkard or a swindler. With such a man do not even eat. Verse 12. What business, is, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? In other words, listen, why would I judge outside the church? Yeah, but they're living that kind of lifestyle. Yeah, but look, what else would they do? They're in the world. That's what the world does. Yeah, but they don't, they don't obey God. They're not honest. They go, what else would they do? They don't know Jesus. Love them to the Lord. But, Joe, uh, but Paul says this. Are you not to judge those inside? By the way, what do you think the answer to that is? Sure it is. Sure. When we 
we, when you call, listen to me, when you call me your brother, you need to. And again, we're going to go back to how to apply this, but you need to, we need to be able to say, how many times, ask yourselves this, how many times did a brother in Christ come up to you, share some brother, you're going in the wrong direction. This is awful. This is going to be, and you stopped doing the sin that you were doing, and you look back and say, oh, this is glorious. How many times did a brother come up to you and say, brother, you're going in the wrong direction. This is on a stick. You are pursuing death. And then you didn't heed what they said and how painful that was. Of course we're supposed to judge one another. Of course we are. Because there's a gift that you have that God wants to bless everybody else with. And if you live out in your sin, we don't get the benefit. Don't do it, please. I beg you. If you're here and you're knee deep in your sin, I beg you. In Jesus' name, I beg you. I beg you to turn from your sin. I beg you to turn away from your iniquity and turn to Jesus. I beg you. And for those of you just so stubborn. I'm going to pray that God break you. And that it be incredibly painful and unbelievably brief so that you might run to him and be saved. 